Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. And good morning. Amen. It's good to be here today. Thank you for letting me share God's word with you. Um, Pastor Max was supposed to be here today to introduce me, uh, and he was not able to come. I, I think I understood why I offered him a certain amount of money to say a certain amount of good things about me. And it apparently was not enough money. So, uh, but no, just all joking aside, he's not here today. But I'm Michael Hornsby. I'm actually one of the new, newest members of the Rosemont family. And uh, I'm excited to be here. And my wife and I, Susan, and uh, we've uh, recently retired from active ministry after 44 years in the ministry. And uh, back in 1994, when I became a part of the mission work, at New Hope Baptist, uh, they were meeting in a seven-day Adventist church, and I met these folks, about 25 or 30 people. They wanted to start a new work, and so as time went on, we, we needed a sponsor. We needed a mother church, and so we chose this church, Rosemont, to be our mother church. We've always admired the, the model that Rosemont has, uh, has set for others, and uh, so now in our, in our retirement years, we're thankful to be a a part of this church family where we can give back and share some things here as well. So I want to thank Adam today for taking a chance on me and you want to pray for him today and his family's their way. Uh, I talked to him yesterday. He called me from San Diego, California, and uh, just want to be sure I was still available to preach. <laughs> and uh, that's what preachers do. I tell you, I did that for many years. I always called the preacher the night before. You didn't forget, did you? You know, and, uh, so we're, uh, they're doing fine, and you want to continue to pray for his dad, Tommy, and their families. They uh, together out there to have some closure in their mother's uh, passing. This morning, uh, I get a chance one more time to share a message based on the scripture that is used for the memory verse for Vacation Bible School. You've seen a bunch of people walk around the church today with destination dig on their uh, shirts. They're uh, vacation Bible school workers. There's a number of them. And they're working right on through this hour now up to 12 o'clock. And then every night this week or part of the week. So pray for our Bible school workers. So I, uh, for the last number of years, uh, I've always chose the scripture, whatever the memorization scripture was for that week. And I built a sermon around that. So I thought last year when I retired from New Hope, I said, well, that, that ends that. But it didn't. I get to come back and share with you the, the memory verse uh, for uh, Vacation Bible School and then build a message on, on, on another New Testament passage that goes right along with it. So uh, I gave a message entitled, uh, What Can Christianity Do For Me? Because I believe today we're looking in a world where a lot of people are looking for something and they are seeking uh, for something. So that title is up there on the screen this morning. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you 
ever watch any of those documentaries on TV or those reality programs about folks that are always searching for some hidden or lost treasure? Raise your hand if you ever watch any of those documentaries like that. You like those kind of things? Well, I know that I know that American Pickers is really not one of those, but that's one of my favorite programs. My, my wife comes in the room and says, you watching that again? Yeah, you're watching it again. But I just, I don't know, that's, that's about two guys, Frank and Mike, and they're traveling all over the United States and other places. And they're actually buying what they think to be junk, and they're going to turn it into treasure. They're going to make some money off of it. That's, that's, their whole, that's their whole plan. So America Pickers really doesn't fit into that thing of looking for lost treasure, but in some ways it does, because every once in a while they find some pretty valuable stuff. Let me just give you some examples that, that are on, uh, on television now. There's a program called Expedition Unknown. That means we'll never know what they're doing. Uh, Caribbean Pirate Treasure. The Lost Goal of World War II. And then The Curse of Oak Island. I want to tell you that last one is the least favorite of mine. Now, you may be a big, big fan of The Curse of Oak Island, but I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. I want to tell you why. It seems like they always get so close to finding a valuable artifact, and then, yeah, and then they keep you hanging and wondering till the next time. Is that not true? That just aggravates me so bad. Man, I tell you what, just don't like it. Let's look at a couple of scriptures this morning before I move on into this into this uh, uh, message today. Uh, the first scripture is our memory verse for Vacation Bible School. So since you're not a part of the regular classes for VBS, let's read that together. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. And then the second verse is, is uh, from the parable of the uh, pearl of great price, which is found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, and beginning verse uh, 45. Actually, right there in, that, in, those, in verse 44, he talked about this hidden treasure. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field. Then again, there he says again, in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. You know, there are, there are a lot of explorers in the world. There are a lot of treasure hunters. There's a lot of seekers in all walks of life. So I chose to make a correlation this morning between Jeremiah 29, 13, and Matthew 13, 45, and 46, because these verses have such a great spiritual application. So I hope you don't miss that. I hope you don't miss the application. That's the most important part. Jeremy, uh, Jared, Jared Humphreys, he did a great job this morning in Sunday school. Such a great job that he ran the batteries down on this. That's why I had to wait a minute. But... <laughs> What I enjoyed so much was he, he, he finished up things with a great application of what it means to have the mind of Christ. So thank you for that great Sunday school lesson today. But you know, people all over the world, 
uh, are seeking to find the one true God. You know that? That's one of the reasons why Rosemont Baptist Church is a mission-minded church. We don't believe that old doctrine that says that God's already chose ahead of time who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. We don't believe that. What we believe is that God still has an open door of opportunity and everyone can come, whosoever will may come, right? But we must take the gospel to them. And unfortunately, the majority of the world does not know the Jesus that we know. So we're just a small part of that great enterprise of taking the gospel around the world as much as we can. The simple reason is because people all over the world are looking to find the one true God. And unfortunately, many think they have found him, but in reality, they chose uh, 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 to worship uh, a famous person like Buddha or Allah or some religious idea like Scientology or Mormonism. And the truth be told, you can go anywhere in the world and you can find people worshiping something in an effort to find the real true God of the universe. So this week in Vacation Bible School, the children will transform themselves into explorers, archaeologists, treasure hunters, they're going to be doing some things like that in a physical way. They'll probably bury some stuff back there and get them to find it. They might even get a chance to go outside and dig a hole in the ground. I don't know what they're going to do. They might give them a, a, one of those treasure finders. I don't know. But, it, but it's going to all be in an effort for this. What we're going to try to bring to the children this morning, what we're going to try to bring to you today as adults is that it's all in an effort to find God and hopefully know that when we do find him, when we do really find him, our search is over. Amen. Our search is over. We don't have to look anymore. I grew up at Unity Baptist Church on South Greenwood in LaGrange. I think some people that are, that are members here attended that church when you were young. But I was a member of that church. I, I got saved there when I was 12 years old. My sister and I, we, we got up on Sunday morning. I was raised by my grandparents. They didn't go to church, but they sure made, us, made sure we went to church. Never could really understand that one, but that was the way it was. But we got up. We got ourselves ready. We walked up the street on Peachtree. We turned left on South Green. We went down to Unity Baptist. So when I was 12 years old in 1966, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd been searching. I'd been looking, even as a child. And I finally found the true, the true God. You know, it's sad today because for 11 years before I retired, I was also a hospice chaplain. And I went into homes and I visited with people that were, that were terminally ill. And I walked with them right up to, to the time they passed away. Chaplains are also, many times are, are uh, labeled as those that are walking with the dying. That's just what I was doing. But, you know, I worked for this last company I worked for. Unfortunately, the owner of the company was Muslim. She was from Atlanta. And uh, well, she really wasn't from Atlanta. She was actually from the Middle East. And she came over to America, got her citizenship, started a hospice company. I'm going to tell you something for 
Six years I worked for that company, nothing was ever said, nothing was ever said about the way chaplains could pray in the home. We always had the liberty of praying any way we wanted to. So they knew that I, when they hired me that I was a Protestant pastor, I was a Baptist preacher, they knew who I was. So for six years, I had the liberty to go in homes and pray. And then at staff meetings, they would call in chaplain. Hey, chaplain Mike, would you pray before we start our meeting? And I would. Always ended my prayer in Jesus' name. That's why I always pray. By the way, that's who I'm talking to, right? I was talking to him, not to them. But one day, one lady who was an atheist, one of our social workers, she complained not only to the point of complaining there locally, but she complained all the way up to the corporate office. So they sent down a note and said, from this point forward, all you chaplains are not to pray in the name of a historical religious figure. How about that one? Well, when that happened to me, I began to set my sights on going elsewhere. Because if I didn't have the liberty to pray according to the dictates of my heart, that I just couldn't pray. I couldn't work there. And I tried to make it clear, even to the corporate people, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. Amen? But you see, this is the problem. People are confused all around the world because they're looking for the one true God. And they really don't know where to find him. Apparently, this, these people had not found him. So, I came up with this title, What Can Christianity Do For Me? Because I believe there are, there are lots of people that are searching for the truth. Jesus helps us answer these questions. He helps us find the only lasting treasure in this parable that he taught about the pearl of great price. It's the story of a dealer in pearls who goes about looking for the best pearls that he can find. And during his day and time, pearls were the most valuable and sought after jewels. However, he collected them as well. And finally, he came upon this pearl of pearls. When he put his eyes on that thing, he said, there's never been a pearl like this one. This is the greatest one. And when he did that, it marked the end of life search for him for the very best in pearls. So he thought. And he liked it so well that he, he sold his entire pearl collection. He sold other belongings. The Bible says that he sold everything he had, didn't it? He sold everything that he had, and he put all that money together, and he bought this one great pearl. He found what he thought was the greatest thing in the world. Now, I'm going to date some of you here this morning. But how many of you folks remember uh, when Sears, you know, Sears, Roebuck & Company, you know, I'm going to tell you what, I think I believe the very first credit card I was ever issued when I got old enough to get, to get credit was a Sears credit card. And it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> but anyway, they got, they got me into debt, uh, and I stayed in debt for a long time. After all, wasn't that a great deal? Get a credit card, pay 21% interest a month. Man, that's a deal, isn't it? So when they send you your notes, send you, you know, that's too much of that. I'll move on. How many people remember when Sears sold products and they labeled them as good, better, 
and best. Raise your hand if you remember that. All right, come on, you old folks out there. Get your hands up. Y'all remember that, don't you? Now, that, uh, th that mainly was not their clothing items. It was mainly their tools, their appliances, things like that. Because they could have got themselves in trouble if they had tried to put good, better, and best on their clothes, don't you think? I can just see three ladies standing together, you know, talking. And this lady says, I sure do like your dress. And she said, yeah, it's one of those good ones from Sears. <laughs> she said, well, I got a better one. <laughs> then before she could get that out of her mouth, this other lady says, well, sorry, I got the best one. So that didn't work very well for clothes, did it? It must have worked well for tools. You know, if you wanted a good hammer or a better hammer or the best hammer. So I never could really figure out that marketing strategy other than this. Maybe they realized that they were people who, from all walks of life, different income levels. Some people could only afford the good where others could afford the best. Kind of crazy. That kind of worked for a while, then it moved away from that. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. It's a Latin word called the sumen bonum. Say that with me. Sumen bonum. Say that with me again. Sumen bonum. Now you spoke Latin. Congratulations. What does that sumen bonum mean? It means the highest good. The highest good. And the faith that we place in Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in the kingdom of heaven, and the discovery of God's plan for our lives becomes our most valuable possession. And with this highest good, guess what? All life is good. That's right, all life is good. Even through times of trouble, of times of heartache, times of loss, times of tribulation, life is good. Life is good. And it's worth more than anything else we have or ever hope to have. Because without it, everything else has little or no value. Now, why is this so? Why is this so? When you truly embrace the, the Judeo-Christian ethic, and when you start abiding by the teachings of Christ, you have indeed found the greatest treasure. Why is this so? You know why I said that tw twice? Why is this so? Because so many people out there in the world, people that you work with every day, people that you live close to in your neighborhood every day, people that you go to school with every day, these people are saying, well, why is this so? Why could be Christianity be the best thing that ever happened? Why is Christianity so important? What can it do for me personally? That's my introduction. Here's my sermon. Number one, this is what it can do for you. It can give you something to hold on to. You know, this pearl dealer found a sense of satisfaction by putting all his eggs in one basket. You know what that term means, don't you? You do, don't you? Just, just nod your head like that. When you put all your eggs in one basket, you're taking a chance, right? That none of those eggs is going to get broken. Maybe one egg's not going to break all the rest of them. So for him, they were... There was one great pearl that was worth all that he had. And by owning it, it became, the, to me, more to him than anything else in his life. I want to tell you something. We are looking for some summum bonum. 
We're looking for some highest good. We just need need to admit that today. Go ahead. I'm going to go first. I'll admit that. It may be many things to many people, but for the true Christian, listen to me, the true Christian, the real born-again believer in God, This sum and bonum is a deep abiding faith in God that gives us the best support for living. It's our greatest security system. One commentary I read made this statement about this parable, and I quote, it implies a search for security. We can hide our treasures in times of crisis, but we can't hide ourselves. There's no place to go. We can't preserve our minds in mothballs. Frantically, we bury our gold. Cautiously, we diversify our investments. Prudently, we go in for insurance and pensions. Foolishly, we build fallout shelters for our families, but we are still fearful and uncertain. We're unhappy because something inside tells us that the physical safeguards of life are not enough for times like these. End quote. We truly need something outside ourselves to hold on to. Something big and something beautiful. Something personal, something powerful. Something spiritual, something significant. Something that describes our faith in a, in a just and loving and righteous God. Who is this God? He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is the God that Jesus Christ revealed to us. That is where we get our balance. That's how we keep our sanity in this upside down world. Amen. That's how we keep our sanity. Secondly, Christianity can do this for you. It can give you, give us greater faith in ourselves. I hope you'll understand where I'm talking about here. I'm going to explain it to you as best I can. But this pearl collector was an expert on values. He knew what he wanted. He looked a long time. He'd seen a lot of pearls. But when the supreme pearl came along, he knew his search had ended. And he made a definite decision. Listen, acted on his best judgment. He made a deal all on the basis that the great pearl made him sure of himself. He said, I am absolutely sure that this is the greatest thing that I could ever find. Likewise, we're confronted during our lifetime with a lot of things that influence us, a lot of things that seek to possess us. Somehow we must have the self-assurance that our faith in the Lord is our most valuable possession. We need to, we need to build a value system based on the virtues and the ideals of Christ. That's our prayer this week for these little children whose, whose minds are so, they're young and their hearts are tender And they're growing and they're asking questions. They're learning. We have more personal resources than we ever use, don't we? You ever thought about that? We have so many personal resources that we never use. And please understand this statement when I make it, but we use our spiritual potential like we're afraid we're going to waste it. (laughs) How ironic is that? You've got this potential to do more for Christ, but you're afraid, well, I better only use a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. I might run out. 
No. We've got all the potential we need. We've got all the power we need. We just need to tap into it. We're children of God. We need to act like it. Amen. Another thing that Christianity can do for us is it can give us the, the insight to live by what's important. So this guy in this parable, he gave up everything he had in order to possess the, the most valuable jewel. And it's the same way with us. When we discover the best, we begin to judge our, everything that we have in our lives as of lesser value, and we find them secondary. That's why we've always been taught to put Jesus first. We put Jesus first, right? Then we put others second. That's hard, isn't it? Then we put ourselves last. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. But I didn't make up the formula. God did. But if you practice it right, you won't have no problems with it. If you live it right with the right attitude, with the right perspective, you won't have any problems with it. The kingdom of heaven is for us a final and God-given standard of judgment. This kingdom of heaven who he's referring to is synonymous with the kingdom of God. It's God's rule in your heart. That God has come into your life. He has taken charge of everything that you're doing and everything you ever hope to be. He becomes in charge of your time. He comes in charge of your talent. He comes in charge of your treasure. You see, we need to know something. We need to know that just because something has a, a big price tag on it doesn't make it important, does it? We must learn that just because something is new, it doesn't make it any better. We need to understand that just because someone has a different idea, that does not necessarily make it valuable. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a means by which we can gain insight into what is really, really important. Any of you remember Adrian Rogers, that great pastor from times past? He was one of my heroes in the ministry. Adrian Rogers is quoted one time as he tried to explain in simple terms his own salvation experience. He said, I gave all I know about me to all I know about him. I gave all I know about me to all I know about him. That pretty well says it, doesn't it? I remember as a little boy walking the aisle at Unity Baptist Church and accepting Jesus into my heart. That's what I was doing. I really didn't know what I was doing. But I was giving all I knew about me to all I knew about him. Listen to me, church family. Christianity is not based on some religious system. Although people would teach you that. A lot of people say, oh yeah, Christianity, you one of those Christians? It's almost like you got some kind of disease or something. Are you one of those Christians? You know, the word Christian means what? To be like Christ. A little Christ, a little baby Jesus. <laughs> so people want to put Christianity in the same thing with all other religions. Just stir them all up. They want to tell you things like, it doesn't make any difference what you believe. We're going to all go to the same place. Just not true. 
just not true. So you got those people that ride around with those bumper stickers on your car, and I hope you don't have one on yours, but it says coexist. They have, this, they, have the, they have all these religious symbols back there, and they got the cross there, by the way. And they want you to believe that we're going to all coexist. We're going to all get along together. We're going to all believe the same thing. And in the end, it's just not going to make any difference. Again, that's not true. We'll never be able to coexist. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Did he not say that? He said, no one can come to the Father except he come through me. That's what he said. Christianity is not based on some religious system. Christianity is based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's based on. I have to admit that when I was younger in my faith, I got caught up in religious activity. And for a long time, I didn't really try to build a good relationship with Jesus until I was an older person. But I thank God that I finally saw the need to build that relationship like I should with my Heavenly Father. My father-in-law came to Unity Baptist to be our pastor in 1973, Pastor Bobby Robinson. He was there for 31 years. I made his daughter that fall. We dated that next year. We got married in August of 74. 46 years ago, almost 47 years ago. When she was walking down the aisle with her dad to be united with me in marriage, she looked over to dad and said, I told you I wasn't going to marry no preacher. At that time, I wasn't a preacher. So the day I stepped out of the aisle and came down to tell my pastor where I was a youth minister in Atlanta that I was going to be going into the ministry, I thought I'd turn around and my wife be going out the door. <laughs> I thought, is she still going to be back there? But she's walked with me all these years. But you know what made a difference? It wasn't about us being in a church position, a church job. It was about us building a relationship with Jesus together. That's going to be the secret of a happy home for you. That's going to be the secret of a happy church here at Rosemont. When we're all building that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For many people here today, this could be a big moment of decision for you, a time to decide that you will cash in, for the lack of a better term, that you will cash in all that you have so that you can possess the very best. How about that? Would you be willing to do that today? Give it all up so you can have the very best. I wish I had a better offer for you. There's not one. That's exactly what Christianity can do for you. Would you join me in prayer, Father? Thank you today for this opportunity to share your word and, Lord, to tie in and be a part of this opening day of Vacation Bible School. And, Lord, we just pray that, that these children that are back in the other part of the building that are now listening attentively to the things the teachers are teaching them. And then, when, then the, teach, the kids that will come in during the week, new faces we hope every, every day, Lord, they'll come with, with 
eager hearts, eager minds to learn, Lord, from you. And we pray today that if it be your will, Father, that out of this there will be salvation. That many of these children will have an understanding, a clear understanding. They will know they're accountable to you. and They will accept you as their Savior. We want the same thing here today, Lord, in this place. We want to be open in, to you, Lord. Open our hearts to you. We pray, Father, someone here who's never trusted you as Savior would be the day of their salvation. We pray today, Father, maybe the day that somebody says, I'm going ahead and I'm going to go ahead and cash it all in so I can have the very best. I see now that the greatest thing I could ever do, the greatest decision I could ever make is to accept Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. So I pray even right now somebody's praying that prayer. Simple ABC, admit that you sinned against God. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and thirdly confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, speak to hearts, Lord, strengthen this church in a special way. We thank you in Jesus' name.